the popular media beauty standard is basically a child of institutional racism, you know? And so it's just like how much of what we don't like about ourselves is us not liking it or how much of it is what we've been programmed. Welcome back. If you're new, my name is Katie Delbout. This is Let It Out, my podcast. We were off for three weeks and now we are back with season unclear. I don't know. I've been doing this since 2013, a bunch of seasons, a couple breaks in there, but for the most part, a new podcast every week where I have a long form conversation with a friend or a friend that I haven't met yet. This week I spoke to a friend of mine, Shanthony, who is a writer, musician, comedian. She's hilarious and wise and so supportive and kind, which you'll hear in the story of how we met, which I find hilarious. (laughs) We talk about supporting musicians right now, moving and change, lack of performance in COVID, what happens after a big success. We talk about body image, DIY culture, defying traditional institutions, intersectionality, improv, which she's loving lately. She gives some great recommendations. Before we get into that, I have a couple of announcements, but I really loved this episode and getting to chat with her. If you are listening to this the day it comes out, I am teaching a workshop tonight. And if you happen to be free, I would love for you to come. I counted and I think last year in New York City and when I was traveling as well, I taught a couple, but I would teach these journaling, writing workshops all around and I got to meet so many great people. I loved being in person. I loved connecting in that way and teaching something I was excited about in real time and I miss doing it. So that's why I am doing this class. So I would love for you to come. It's going to be really organic and I'm excited. So If you can make it, the link will be in the show notes. Also, if you can't make it or if you're listening to this after, uh, no problem. I will probably do, I don't know. I don't know if I'll do this again or not. We'll see how this one goes. But the right kit is now available. So I think if you've listened to this podcast before, you may know I don't know what I'm thinking unless I'm writing. Journaling is really important to me and useful to me. And what I love about journaling is that it's free. It can be done anytime, anywhere. And it allows me to sort through all the different thoughts in my mind by writing without the purpose of sharing or anyone seeing it. And so I have made a kit. I make these, I call them let it out kits, but they're self-study workshops that you can buy and do at your own pace. And they include journaling prompts and exercises, and they're all a little bit different. But one of them is called Write, the Write Kit, W-R-I-T-E, Write Kit. And that one is full of journaling prompts and exercises. And I wrote a book in 2016 about journaling that was so useful to me. But you know, I, I wrote that years ago and this is an update and I have really been in a community around writing for emotional wellness and the right kit's interesting because it also has content around writing to share and how that can be cathartic as well, sharing essays and 
poems and writing as a means to process what you're going through cathartic and make you feel less alone when you when you share it, which is really cool. So that's available if you want to check it out. I also have other kits available now. So I made two kits about breakups last year. It's actually one kit, but it's in two parts because I believe after a breakup when something is so jarring and you're feeling so tender, at first you need to do a lot of soothing coziness. And so that is the soothe kit. And then secondly, once you feel like you have a bit more within you to mine the relationship for gems and grow and learn and reflect, that's what the solve kit is for. And then now I help other people start podcasts. I've had a workshop since 2018 where I take you through the entire process of starting a podcast from concept and idea to marketing and monetizing, interviewing, everything between. And now that's available as a self-study kit. And I should mention there is a journaling 101 kit that's completely free. So if you want to just test out what are these kits all about, I don't even understand. I don't want to pay any money. The journaling 101 kit is a really great place to start and you can see what it's all about understand the format. And then we also have a free version of the podcasting kit as well, which is a mini starter kit, which is basically the beginning of the podcast kit. So we call it the podcast starter kit and that's free as well. So check it out. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you have any questions. I wanted to make these as accessible as possible. And a portion of all the proceeds goes to the Loveland Foundation. I think that's it for announcements. I'm so happy that you're here. Season, several seasons in. (laughs) Speaking of seasons, my other co-hosted podcast with Serena Wolf, a mental health podcast that's humorous. It is about anxiety. It's called Spiraling. We started it last year and season two has begun. So I would love for you to give that a listen or share it with someone who might find it useful or entertaining. And please support the sponsors. It helps me to be able to keep doing this for another, hopefully, seven years. Who knows what the world will be in seven years. Take care of yourselves, and I will talk to you at the end. This week's episode is brought to you by Four Sigmatic, which is one of my favorite brands I've worked with forever. I've even had the founder on the podcast a couple years ago. They're known for their mushroom coffee. I've been drinking their ground mushroom coffee with lion's mane, and it's very good. I also have these little pomegranate beauty shots that I love and are so refreshing. And the products of theirs that are newest to me are their skincare products. Their serum is my new favorite thing that I've put on my body. And there's this body butter that is really potent and smells amazing that I've been using. And last but not least, they have this protein powder that is really superb. It comes in three flavors, a original, a chocolate, and a peanut butter. And I have collected all three. They're very good. Their coffee with lion's mane, back to that, it supports productivity and creativity, which I think has really been helping me get it together and focus. Plus, it includes chaga, which is the king of mushrooms, they say. And right now, chaga is one of my favorite 
medicinal mushrooms to work with. The compounds in chaga have antioxidant properties and it plays a big role in supporting the immune system to maintain its function, which I think is really great. You're probably thinking, does this coffee and these products taste like mushrooms? Gross. That'd be weird. I can guarantee it just tastes like regular coffee and the products actually taste really delicious. I don't taste mushrooms at all. And what's nice about the mushroom coffee is that it's a little bit easier on the gut. It doesn't leave me with that jittery feeling where I'm feeling kind of high and shaky and I don't crash, which is a real delight. All Four Sigmatic products are organic, vegan, and gluten-free. Every single batch is third-party tested for heavy metals, allergens, bad bacteria, yeast molds, pesticides, the whole gang. So you know you are getting the highest quality coffee and mushrooms possible. Best of all, Four Sigmatic stands behind their products unconditionally with a 100% money-back guarantee. Love every sip or get your money back. I've worked out an exclusive offer for Let It Out podcast listeners on their best-selling Lion's Mane coffee, the one I was just telling you guys about. This is just for Let It Out podcast listeners. Receive up to 39% off their best-selling Lion's Mane coffee bundles. To claim this deal, you must go to foursigmatic.com slash Katie, K-A-T-I-E. This offer is not available on the regular website, so go to foursigmatic.com slash Katie. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash Katie, K-A-T-I-E, and fuel your productivity and creativity with some delicious mushroom coffee. Full discount applied at checkout. Thank you, Four Sigmatic. I am so excited that you're here and this is going to be such a cool conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm super happy that we're like doing it. I'm just like so happy to talk to you too, just in general and catch up. I know. Before we started recording, we got on the call and we were like, we're so happy to be talking. It's been forever. And we wanted to do, we tried to schedule this when we were both living in Brooklyn several times. And I think it just never worked out. And we're like, oh yeah, we'll do it later. There's no rush. And then turns out neither of us live there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and which was just revealed on our call. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm living here. Cool. <laughs> exactly. But we have to tell everyone how we met. So we weirdly met, even though we both lived in Brooklyn, we met in Las Vegas in the most <laughs> yeah. kismet way backstage at this very strange, very cool. I think it was called a vulnerability variety show that past podcast guest Whitney Bell hosted which was very cool, but it was just a really weird space and group, right? Right, right. It was like a weird vibe. (laughs) Like it was in a music festival, but it was just also like a more quiet, subdued vibe. So (laughs) it's like, I don't know what energy to serve people here. 100%. And I was... And so we were in the back room and... Or what do you call that? Like the backstage or whatever. like a green room area. Yeah. Yeah. We're back there and we just start talking and I just instantly liked you so much. And I was like, this is nice. And I'm freaking out because everyone back there was a musician, including you. 
and oh, I yeah. was there to read my like silly <laughs> essay like <laughs> at a music festival <laughs> at a music festival it's all musicians and then I was somehow in this show where I was reading a very earnest, a little bit too exposed <laughs> essay for a crowd of like four people. Oh my god! It was so <laughs> empty. I remember that part too. It was so empty, but like so many lights and so much sound system and like so produced. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you were so great. I'm on stage and I'm like, I'm going to sit. And I take my microphone and my like piece of paper because I, I don't even have the story to memory. So I'm fully reading off of a sheet of paper. And I sit in this chair and I see you fully in the middle of the audience cheering and smiling. And I've never felt more safe and cozy in my life. I'm so happy because I was like, okay, I have to come out and support, like, because it's so weird to perform when there's like five people in the room. <laughs> so I was like, yes, I am your super fan. I am here front and center oh, supporting you. Were you so amazing. And I think you were meant to do a poem, right? But you were like, right. fuck that. I'm not <laughs> right? doing a poem. <laughs> oh my gosh. I <laughs> you were like, I'm going to sing. Everyone else is singing. I'm going to sing. And that's when I looked at you and I was like, well, I don't have that option. So I have <laughs> yeah. to read off of a fucking piece of paper. <laughs> no, I to and I totally had so much empathy for you because like when I went in there, I was like, there's no way that I'm going to read this poem. It's like music festival. Like I was just supposed to read my lyrics, but then a lot of it's super like repetitive. And I'm like, <laughs> let's just make this situation less awkward like please i bring yeah. enough awkward energy to the party like without like reading this like my lyrics that are like oh. super like poppy you were amazing and you're such a talented musician and poet and writer and so many things which i want to talk about all of them and i hope that that story was funny to anyone listening or it was just like a real delight for us to reminisce and laugh about yeah, at a sure. time when we could be in groups. <laughs> but <laughs> right. I'm so we happy. We take advantage of it. It was only five no, people there. No. We would have known. <laughs> That's we like we known. were basically social distancing. <laughs> it was so, yeah, it was social distancing before it was like in style. Yeah. Like, we are revolutionary. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And it was so stressful because I had I remember I had to read that essay and then I had to run to go do an interview because I did eight interviews in one day. I think I told you that. And I had to go yeah, interview so Andrew intense. Bird like right after and then I read that essay. It's so intense. Oh, it was like so intense. It was <laughs> so bizarre. It was so bizarre. But you know what? We survived and we became friends after. And before I left. You read the story at my magazine that didn't fully become a magazine launch party. And we kept in touch ever since. And now finally we're doing this. I'm so yes. happy that we met in that serendipitous way. No, it's, it's great. <laughs> so how are you doing now? How has quarantine been for you? How are you taking care of yourself? Tell right. me everything. Well, my quarantine situation has been a little bit interesting. I, we talked about it before, but I'll like, fill in the audience. Yeah. But I've been like just learning French just for fun. So in March, I was supposed to be in Montreal for a month to take this intensive French class because I was like, hey, that will be a fun thing to do. And then halfway through my experience, like they're like, okay, there's going to be a quarantine and you need to leave in like 48 hours because the border border's closing. 
or you will have to stay where you are indefinitely. And so I just decided to stay because at that moment, New York was just really scary to me. It was like feeling really intense. And I just didn't want to be there at the, that moment. So I was like, okay, I'll just stay in Montreal. And now I'm, I'll end up being here for six months, maybe more. I was just planning to be here for a month. But I mean, my quarantine has been pretty good. I like decided to just really take this opportunity because like never in my life will I not have a social life except for now. So I'm like, let me take this opportunity and just like go really hard on learning French so I can be like semi-fluent by the end of this experience yeah because <laughs> I have a lot of time to study that's so cool my roommate here in LA is learning Spanish and kind of that she works in restaurants and so she was my old roommate and she same thing you know she was just kind of like when am I going to have this opportunity right. and to take advantage of it like that is really cool yeah no I mean it's so cool it's just like I mean there's not that many cool things to say about COVID but like the one thing is it's like okay finally I have time where I can still keep my full-time job, but like I also can go to school and it's not going to impact my social life because that is non-existent right now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's been my quarantine. You're someone who does so many things and does so many things so well, and you're so social and dynamic and magnetic. Have you always been that way? We, we always talk on the show a little bit about where you're from and what you were like as a kid. So Take me back to what little you was like and what you were into. I feel like little me, I was always such a goofball. I don't know if you remember that show, Family Matters with Steve. Yes. Of course. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. Because I'm like old. I'm like... Whenever I'm wearing a high-waisted pant that's a bit ill-fitting I'm just like is this a little too Steve Urkel (laughs) that's it did I do that like I would always do that like did I do that (laughs) to my to my parents just to make them laugh I was always just trying to make people laugh I definitely have grown into myself a lot more because I have a lot of people pleasing tendencies and so now I'm like moving more into just like checking in with myself but I've always kind of been like a funny person who likes to make people like happy and smile around me and I've always been an artist and I'm like super grateful to my parents because they've been they were always super supportive of me being in the arts like they would send me to claymation camp and like drama camp and like I took piano since I was five until I was like 18 and like I had a really well-rounded art experience. And they also told me like when I was young, they're like, you know, you can be an artist. You just can't ask this for money after you graduate from college. (laughs) And so it's like, you can be an artist as long as you support yourself. And I just ran with that. And so I was always into a lot of different creative pursuits. (laughs) And you grew up in North Carolina. Do you have siblings? No, I'm an only child. Me too. Yay. Okay. I feel like we're the cool... We're like the like light side of only children because mm-hmm. I feel like people always think only children are like spoiled, right? Yeah, it's funny. I, I just was talking to a friend who's an only child and I was like, oh yeah, so you know, are, does this mean you're really close with your friends? Because I find that I'm really loyal and like friends are really meaningful yes, to me. Me too. Yeah. And, and he was like, well, you know, I mean, yeah, but like, I also have attachment oh. issues. And I was oh. like, I was like, oh, and then I, I thought of it. I was like, 
Oh, I think I also have attachment issues. Like oh. maybe my loyalty is that like, I don't want people to ever leave me because we're like not connected by blood. So oh my God, anyone so could, real. you know? <laughs> this is so real. Cause I was like, yeah, me too. That's, oh, oh no. Mm-hmm. I definitely have attachment issues mm-hmm. and hardcore abandonment issues. Yep. Like, yep. Please don't leave. Yep. And, and maybe that goes back to what I was saying about the people pleasing because I didn't have like siblings. I was just like, hey, I have to be super likable because the only way I'm going to have people around me who are my peers are because people are choosing to be around me. It's not like I have a sibling that has to be like, hey, sis, do that Steve Merkel impression again. You know, (laughs) like, yes. Oh, I know. I know. It's really bizarre. What about your parents? Are they still married? Yeah, they're still married. They've been married for a really long time. Yeah, like. Oh, 40, 40 years. Wow. <laughs> like so that's interesting with my experiment then, because some of my abandonment issues I attach to like, maybe it's a divorce thing, but oh. this proves the point that maybe it's just an only child thing or who knows, maybe finding people are people and finding patterns is silly, right. but. Right, right. I mean, I definitely have abandonment issues too. So you're not alone with that, but like, <laughs> definitely not. I'm like, please don't, whenever someone leaves me, I feel so triggered. Like, or like, I feel like we're fighting or there's tension. I'm like, let's just not do that. 100%. I totally feel the same way. So when did you get into music? When did you move to New York? Like walk me through a little bit about how you got to do all the things that you're doing now, because you do amazing graphic design. You are a performer, you're a comedian, you're a real Renaissance woman. And I would love to know where each piece began. Thank you. Well, with the music thing, I love a good applause for me in my (laughs) honor. I love a good applause in my honor. So like, yes. Oh my God. I feel so loved. Don't leave me. Um, (laughs) never. And so like me, um, (laughs) I won't, um, this is like so therapeutic. Okay. So I was dating someone who was a noise musician and he was like doing shows and like, we went to a show together and I saw this band called ear power and I was like, Oh my God, I just want to be like that. They're so cool. She's so cool. Sarah was the singer. She was like so cool on stage. And she was just like, people were clapping for her. And I was like, yes. I need to have that. And so I was just like, Hey, like, let's start a band. And so we started this band. I had like, other than the 10 or 12 years of piano, I didn't have any like vocal experience. So I was like, let me just rap. So I wrote my first song ever. I wrote, it was called clap clap. And it was like the geekiest dance. It was like, you know, like flap your arms like a chicken or something. And like, what, I don't know. It was like some weird dance that I came up with in a rap. And so like, we like, had this band that was called the Sugar High Gang. And like, I just wrote ridiculous songs. Like one was about how my butt looked great in spandex pants. And another one was like about how trapper keepers were awesome. So it was like, really, oh, like they noise. are, they are awesome. And they were like, super like poppy, noisy, like punky music. Cause it was like, he was a drummer. So he would do live drums. And then when we broke up, I was like, oh, I still want to make music, but I was a little unsure of myself because up until then, most of the music I had performed publicly was with him and he was like the more experienced musician. So I was like, Hey, I'm just going to start this project called Miss Eve's and just like figure it out. And so that's what happened. So I like, at first I started making my own beats. I'm not a great beat maker. Luckily I quickly found people who would help me with that. And then 
it just kept evolving. I was like, oh, let me teach myself how to make music videos. I started doing my own self-portraits for my like press photos, this whole DIY project. And I'm booking my own tours and like managing my own tours. And it just like the project just kind of like organically grew. And I'm definitely a way better rapper than when I wrote Clap Clap. So that's that story of music. New York is a whole other story. I want to hear that too, but I love your music so much. I want to stay in that vein a little bit. This is this is not one of your... I, there's so many of your songs I want to pick up on, but today I did a deep dive in your YouTube and this comedy song, the NPR song that yes. you made... Oh my PR. I bumped it in my car. Oh, it is so perfect. The Terry Gross line really got me. (laughs) Oh my God. It was just required listening. I'll put it in the show notes, but it really just made me smile today when I was like, I was doing all this adult stuff where I had to like call (laughs) and move. And I just watched that and I was like, oh, what a delight. Oh, that is so funny. And like, I was, I had an interview on NPR. Uh, I think three years ago. And then after they were talking to me about Thunder Thighs, which is my most popular song. And I was like, by the way, I'm a huge NPR fan. I wrote a song about you. And they played it. They like put it in the like, at the end of the segment. Oh, that's so cool. Wow. I I love that. So where does the comedy piece come in for you? Because you were always making people laugh as a kid. And is that just something that stuck with you? Right. Yeah. Like I just love to make people laugh. And I, there's always been a comedy element in my music. It's not like I was trying to be a comedian, but then two years ago, my friend Jesse invited me to do improv with him. And then I was like, what? This is amazing. And I was super addicted and hooked. And I started taking classes at Brooklyn, Brooklyn comedy collective. Um, and just got really into improv and I had my first online comedy show like two weeks ago. So I'm just like, Oh, this oh my is God. so much fun. <laughs> cool. I love that. Let's go back to your music a bit. So you have this song come out called Thunder Thighs that is just so the video is honestly, I watch it twice today. I've seen it before. It's so earnestly wonderful and profound and impactful and fun and it's so many things and rightfully so it has what two million views yes it's like so many views it's so so cool so tell me about the process for that song and then what it was like when it came out right so that song i actually wrote it a year before i made the video and i was just like riding my bike around Brooklyn and I'm a like curvy person. And so my thighs touch. And so when I got home, I had like chub rub and I was like, excuse me, so rude. And so then I just started singing like chub rub. (laughs) The day (laughs) is just heating up. I was like, oh, there's something there. So I like wrote this song. Like it didn't take me very long. It literally wrote itself. And then I just like kind of set on it. I put it on SoundCloud, but like not that many people listened. And then when I was working on my album, The Monasty, I was like, okay, Thunder Thighs has to be a part of this. And I want to make a video. So I contacted my friend, April Maxi, and I was like, hey, do you want to collaborate on this video together? We can co-direct it. And she was super down. And I was like, let's make this like really body positive and like pro fat liberation and also super inclusive. Like, let's just have everybody in it and just have it be like super fun, like outside of the male gaze where it's just like 
people enjoying their bodies for the sake of just enjoying their bodies and not for other people's approval. And yeah, we came up with Thunder Thighs and it was just so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. It's and it was like super low budget too to make that video. I think I spent like $2,000 on it. It's really, really, really cool. And the I love the older woman and I love the whole story. It's just, everyone should watch it. But what was that experience like for you when it was so popular? Were you expecting that? Wow, that was like really, it was really overwhelming, but also horrifying because I just got in this phase because everyone was like, when are you going to write the next Thunder Thighs? Like, you know, they were putting me in a box and then I just got this incredible writer's block where I was like, I'll never write a song again. Like, I don't know if I can live up to this because it's like, I, before then, I was not so known, you know? And so like, just to go from being like completely underground to getting a lot of attention in the span of like two days, it was really like, overwhelming for me honestly and I just had this like imposter syndrome and I was just like oh I, I don't think I can write more songs I'll never live up to this and then I I did I just kept writing songs I was like hey like I wrote a song and then like less people were into it and so I was like oh cool now I can go back to what I was doing and it was like way more comfortable <laughs> you know yeah yeah that ha- I can't imagine I haven't had a success that large but I can imagine that being really challenging of living up to a precedent that you've set for yourself. Yeah. I mean, that was it. And it was also other people's expectations and just feeling like, Oh my goodness, maybe I'll disappoint them. You know? Cause even though I had music that I had written before Thunder Thighs, so it wasn't like a Millie Vanilli moment or something where I just like wrote one song and like, you know, like I had a one hit wonder or whatever, but it still was like really a lot of pressure. But the good thing is, is like, I really love the next song that I wrote after Thunder Thighs. Like I almost love it as much as Thunder Thighs. And so I was just like, okay, like I'm capable of doing this. I just have to write for me. And I just can't, like I have to let go of any external sort, like any external feedback, whether it be positive or negative, like just get in this headspace where I'm just writing music that's really reflective to how I feel in that moment, you know? Mm, Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, whenever we second guess an audience, that's when the work suffers because also like, like you said, you liked the, another song just as much or more. And some of it's arbitrary. I mean, Thunder's Eyes is amazing. And so I think so many people can relate to that feeling, but your other music is also really relatable and really great. And sometimes it's just uncontrollable, a thing that hits or becomes a big success. I mean, I feel that way about like my Instagram posts, you know, like one I don't even really like people are like seeing and some one that I like spent so much time spending, you know, thinking about and overthinking about and editing, like no one sees or likes, you know? No, it's so true. And it's like, you like, I think if you have the intention of going viral, it's not going to happen. It's just like, you just have to be authentic to yourself. And then if it hits, it hits. But if it doesn't hit, it doesn't make you any less of an artist, writer, thinker, person, you know, it's just that like, the luck and the, the right moment just didn't happen for that piece, but it doesn't make it any less valid, you know? Totally. 100%. I know 
that speaking of music, I know that this is a challenging time for musicians right now, and you have a new EP that's about to come out. So what are you most excited about in terms of music? Well, I'm, I am super excited about this EP and I made a video in quarantine called Belly Bounce because I actually that was what I wrote about my belly. That's like a constant thing for me. Yes, wrote, that yeah. you read at my story at my you read the story yeah. at our party. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. When I watched the video, it's amazing. It's so good. And I would love for you to talk about it. But as soon as I watched it, I was like, this reminds me of her story. Yeah, that was it. Because it's just like a thing in my whole life where people are like, are you pregnant? And it's just like, <laughs> just really rude. <laughs> First of all, let's start there. It's rude. But like, it's definitely something that impacts me because I just want to live my life and wear what I want to wear and not have anyone comment on my body regardless. But yeah, like belly bounce, that was really fun. I just asked a bunch of different people to send me clips of them dancing I wanted this to be like a really inclusive peek into different people's secret quarantine lives. And also too, that was like another advantage of just like this whole quarantine, like one of the one of the two or three (laughs) silver linings in my, in my personal experience is that like, I could make this a really inclusive experience because people could just send me a clip and I don't have everyone. Everyone doesn't need to be in the same place at the same time. I mean, I was really proud with how that turned out. It's amazing. It's really, really great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And then like the EP is just like a bunch of different songs I wrote. And there's one song I'm like, my favorite song on there is called Three Jobs. And it's just about the gig economy and how like so many people have to have multiple jobs just to make make ends meet. And sometimes that's not even enough. And just, you know, talking about that like broken economical system where we're expected to work more and more. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I'm like super excited. It comes out on uh, Friday, the July 7th. Um, so I'm just excited to share my work. Cause like before like releasing something, it's like, oh, I can't wait to share this with people. And then, you know, you put it out yeah. and then it's just, it's just really rewarding to share something that you put so much energy in for so long. Yeah, of course. And especially probably right now, because as a performer, do you miss performing? Oh my gosh, I miss performing so much. And it's also hard because I've gotten some offers to do like online performances, but because I'm in Montreal right now, I'm staying in Airbnb. It's not my home. Like I just now like borrow gear from my friends to build like a little home studio. But, you know, until then I didn't have what was even necessary to like, do the live performances. And so, yes, I do miss it so much. And I like miss just interacting with crowds and like all of that, just seeing people I don't know and being closer than six feet away. (laughs) Yeah. As a consumer of music, I miss going to shows so much. Yeah. How can people support musicians right now? I would say a really big way to support musicians is to go on their Bandcamp pages and like buy their work because Bandcamp is doing really awesome work. Bandcamp is an amazing company. Even when Bandcamp takes the fee, artists get way more money from music purchased via Bandcamp than any other music service. So I would say definitely like support them that way. Also, like you can always ask them in like an Instagram post or Twitter, like, I love you. I want to support you. What's the best way to support 
for me to support you because everyone has like a different answer for that. But mm. I definitely say Bandcamp and just like reaching out, sharing their music with people if you don't have money, like talking them up because like really the word of mouth is super valuable too. I always say that like if people don't have money to buy my music, you can still support me by just like telling your friends about it, you know, mm, and that like yeah. helps so much. Yeah, I love that. So obviously a theme of a lot of your work is body image and something that we connected about instantly. Something we talk about on the show is body image and, you know, what I call a bad body image day, like when you're not right. feeling great about your body, what do you do to pivot? So how first of all, where are you with body image right now and has that changed for you? Yeah, I mean, I feel like every day it could change like that answer because you know it just depends on where I am in my cycle like where am I emotionally like what's going on because I think a lot of people see my music and they're like oh you always feel great about yourself all the time and like I have bad days too where I'm just like oh like I like you know wish this was like different or like wished whatever thing that's not really productive to wish so it definitely goes up and down but for me like the best thing is just to like take a moment just be like, I'm great. Like just list all the ways that I'm like great and like fabulous and amazing and focus on that because I feel like so much of life is what you choose to focus on, you know? Mm, Yeah. I think I've been struggling with the changes, you know, I think when I'm in a spot where when it's the same every day, it's, it's not as challenging as how jarring yes. changes, you know, yes, of like, I feel that. yeah, I think that's just how it is, you know, I think, and that's something that I think most women and most people vacillate in their bodies and, no, you it's know, so true. everyone will age. So that's a big change that we're all going to have yes. to deal with. So society is so ageist. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, you know, this conversation with body image, you know, I'm, in a lot of the work that I've been doing or not work, but a lot of the learning that I've been doing around anti-racism work and around systematic, our body image issues are so interconnected with race and so so interconnected. It's so true. Cause it's like the beauty standard, the popular media beauty standard is basically a child of institutional racism, you know? And so it's just like how much of what we don't like about ourselves is us not liking it or how much of it is what we've been programmed, like self-hatred or just like valuing one thing over another. Like that's definitely super deep. And to go back to what you said about change, that's real because just change in general, just makes me feel like a little unmoored. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I already feel disoriented. And when I'm feeling that way, it's easier to revert back to maybe negative self-talk patterns when I'm like Mm -hmm. not feeling super grounded in like my situation or in my life or like things feel unsteady. It's easier to kind of like revert back and be like, oh, like I don't, and I don't like this. And let's kind of do the pylon. Yeah. Yeah. Super normal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I really, I envy, I always envy people who seem to be more steady with it or or don't have the changes because I think I've had such really, yeah, really vast changes over my <laughs> right. life that have not been healthy 
but there's this nostalgia to it because of the, our standards of beauty. I've gotten the right. most compliments when I've been the most mentally ill, you know? Right. And really that's such rough. a bad message for you to receive, right? Like it's totally. like inside you're not feeling great, but then like everyone's like, oh, you look so good. It's just like, I hate it when people say you look so good, you lost weight. Cause it's like, what if I lost weight because like someone close to me died and I'm not right. eating? Why is losing weight considered good? And I mean, I definitely do like what you were saying about how all of these things are intersectional, interconnected. A lot of times white body types are a little bit thinner than like black body types. And like that beauty standard is what's valued. And so for me, a lot of my own like body image issues, I have to really question, unpack how is it interconnected with all these other intersecting issues, you know, and all these other negative messages I'm getting from society that's not even real or true. It's just completely made up and yeah. just letting that go. Yeah. It's it's having one side of your brain kind of instruct the other side because it becomes so ingrained because right. all day long we're hearing messages of like, eat less and don't eat that and right. this. And, and that's right. why I really love your, you have this style blog called the Everybody Project. And it's this inclusive hashtag that or is inclusive Instagram that aims to combat these body image issues that we're talking about that arise from the media's narrow, very narrow portrayal. So of narrow. Standards. <laughs> so, um, narrow. <laughs> so narrow. And I, I think that's like, I love that. And I would love if you could talk about that project, but like I heard once that the only I heard this in my eating disorder recovery or in treatment. The only proven way to change body image is to look at bodies your size or bigger. Yes, yes. And just also like to look at, to see different bodies, to see different colors, to see different types of people. You, you're not just seeing what's fed to us. Right. And then you're able to look at yourself and be like, oh, that's different. Or that reminds me of this. Or that reminds me of that. And it's not you're able to do that in your mind a bit, a bit quicker. So tell me about this project. And was that, is that part of the impetus behind it? That was totally it because I was just like, it was coming from a moment of just like not feeling great about myself. And this was like, I started this project in 2012. And so definitely representation, you know, in media, because like more, there's more people like social media people who are pushing different body types, which I think is amazing. But, but then it wasn't, as popular so or like the body positive movement was starting there's always been the fat liberation movement which is something i need to educate myself on more but definitely at that time in like the popular culture the body positive movement wasn't super present and i was just like why i don't want to feel bad about myself because i see so many people who look like me and i think they're gorgeous and i think they're amazing and i think they're interesting and dynamic and why don't i just like create this space where I show like everybody and like show like people who are aging because we are in such an ageist society. So why don't I just show why older people and just show people who are interesting and dynamic of all different body types, ages, sizes, ethnicities, genders, sexual orientations, and just kind of show this like diversity and like inclusivity that makes the world actually beautiful and interesting. And so this project is like always has been like evolving. So when I first started doing it, I didn't know how to take photos at all. And now I feel like I'm a pretty good photographer, but like I taught myself how to do it through this project. 
but like, I wouldn't even ask any questions. But then one day I was like, Hey, what do you like about yourself? And that was just so interesting just to hear what people say. Cause a lot of people really even struggle to say like one thing they liked about themselves, which is just like, wow, society, right? <laughs> We're always told what we don't like about ourselves. We don't hype ourselves up. So that was just like a really important part of the project is just talking to people about what they love about themselves and self-esteem and just yeah. their ideas. And I've made friends that way. Like it's just been a really cool project to do. Wow. I love that because that's, that's it. Like if our Instagram feeds aren't representative of the diversity of the world, we're going to think that that's what all that there's is, you know, because that's all that right. we're seeing. Right. And we need to make our Instagram feeds as diverse as the world actually is. And so yes. I think this account is so important and useful for that. Thank you. And I also try like with all of my music videos and like my work is just to try to make every piece of work I make like as inclusive as possible. Cause I just want to represent the world as it is. Cause I think that's like really beautiful is just seeing like everyone together and like, you know, just how different we all are and just how that makes things interesting and like fun and dynamic. Yes. I love that. And I think that's so important. You sent over a couple of things that you are talking about a lot right now that you love talking about. And I was just hoping that you could riff on them if I prompt you. Okay. I'm just really <laughs> excited to hear what you have to say. What do you think? Okay, we cool. can make it almost like a quick fire thing, but I just oh, am kind wow. of excited to hear your riffs. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. So awesome. the, I'm like the, nervous. <laughs> great. This is gonna, this is gonna we'll just see what happens. This is okay. just like a real live show. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Fun times. <laughs> okay, so one of them was DIY culture. Oh yes. Okay, I am a DIY gal because for me, I'm not a person who wants to wait around for like to get help or to have like a team. I will go on YouTube University, teach myself how to do something, maybe bumble through it like the first time or try and then just keep working on it and getting better because I, I feel like my whole artistic career is just about like me teaching myself how to do something and then just continually pushing myself to get better at what I'm doing and not trying to be perfect in what I'm doing but just trying to make every the next thing I do better than the last thing basically <laughs> but I just love DIY culture and it's just such a cool community around like the whole DIY space and like booking shows yourself and then going to spaces that are self-managed and self-run and like it just feels like such a cool like community vibe <laughs> like that whole world and also too just like being creative because like climate change is something I think about a lot and just being creative with the resources you have that just seems to be like this like anti-capitalist anti-corporate thread that kind of goes through my life is just figuring out how to like make lim limited resources something really cool because you don't always have to have the most expensive director of photography or even like a nice camera sometimes you could just do something with your iphone just trying to figure out like hey i have 500 dollars. what's what can i do to make the most out of this 500 dollars? because a lot of my video concepts come with the budget first and then i like go backwards like okay i have this much money what can I do that's creative and fun? That's like something that I know how to do and that I can still make look good and work backwards. 
Mm, I love that. And I feel like that brings me, brings us to, or that's connected to the one of the other bullet points that you sent, which was defying traditional institutions. Yes. Okay. So I was talking to my therapist the other day. I feel like my therapist is my best friend. Oh my God. Me too. Do you ever, I I'm, I'm not a comedian, but all I want to do is make her laugh and like make it interesting for her. Like, I like, yeah, it's just like, I love talking to her. Like I wait sometimes for her to message me because I'm on talk space and then we like do the Skype things, but I'm just like, oh my gosh, my therapist wrote me back. I'm so excited. Oh, um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, she, she told me I was an iconoclast and I was like, what is that? I've never heard that word. And I looked it up and I was like someone who just dismantles institutions. And even though I'm not like intentionally setting out to be that way, I think I am because I'm just like challenging things. I'm like, I don't like how this works in society. I'm going to talk about why like dismantle this idea, like in a song, in a video and like really confront it and not be ashamed or scared that I'm going to like offend someone that's part of that institution just like go off. <laughs> I have this song called Bush for the Push, which is about people doing whatever the F they want with their Oh, it's so hair. good. I meant to bring that one up. I'm <laughs> so happy that you did. The video is hilarious too. Thank you. <laughs> because I feel like there's so much stigmatization around body hair, especially when the body hair is on like a femme. Why is that? Because humans are actually like born with hair. Like, that's just how we come out of the package. Like, some people, of course, don't have hair because they maybe have, like, alopecia or something. But I'm saying it should be fine whether you have hair or you don't have hair that, like, your body is fine and acceptable and people aren't shaming you for something that naturally occurs. (laughs) And so I really like to confront ideas like that. And they might be, like, super simple and basic. But just being like, hey, it's okay if I have a belly because, like, honestly, everyone's like, oh, it's so cool to have a thick, a person like a, especially like a woman or a femme to be like really thick, but then she, they, he can't have a belly, you know? Mm-hmm. And that to me just seems like usually, I mean, I know not everybody types differently, but for me, if I gain weight, it's going to be kind of evenly distributed. So, I mean, it just seems unrealistic to expect people to always just gain weight in the places that like society says is okay to be bigger, but in the other places, not okay. So I'm like, let's blow right. up that idea. Like, let's just blow that up. That's trash. And just like have fun with stuff, like, you know, make light and jokes of things. Like I have a song called Paper Mache Single AF, just about being single and just how there's so much pressure to be coupled. And just the idea of like, it's okay to be single. It might be lonely sometimes, but like, there's nothing, it's just a state like being coupled. There's nothing that's like inherently better or worse about you by being in either state. So I mean, I just love, I just love confronting stuff like that and just being like, no, I actually, I don't agree. <laughs> yeah. I think about that a lot with when I was, what I was talking about before with the exposure therapy of looking at bodies, your size or bigger. Yeah. When I first did that, I remember being the prompt was to follow a lot of plus size models. And so I did that. And a lot of plus the plus size modeling industry they're beautiful women, but they happen to be women who gain weight in those areas that you are yes. talking about. Yes. I, yes. My body doesn't do that. A lot of people's bodies don't <laughs> do <doesn't>. that. <laughs> and I think that it's not real. It's not, it's not inclusive to, to everyone. And right. I think to 
like you said, flip that on its head and look at that differently. And again, why why is it that we made that okay and that not okay? And right. And who's um, deciding? Right. Right. (laughs) Like who is it? The Trumps of the world? Like who is it? Because if we knew who was deciding, we probably wouldn't follow it because we're like, that person's gross and stupid. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's so interesting and and I'm I'm in a spot where I've changed several sizes and I've, I've been here before. I get nostalgic. I wanted to go back, but this time I'm staying. This time I am like not going to do the old things. And right. I was wearing an outfit <laughs> this weekend and it's this dress that I I wore last summer all the time, but I just shipped my stuff to California and I was like so excited to put have more options because I've been living yes. out of this carry-on. <laughs> Yeah, I did on, <laughs> and honestly, it was like the Hulk, like the oh. buttons just. <laughs> oh my! I definitely had like a button, like bubbles in the front. Like it's like the buttons closed, but there's that gap in between the two buttons that's just like popping open. A hundred percent. Yes, and that Very so that normal. happened. But I was like, you know what? I think it's fine. I kind of like jiggered it, and then I'm laying on my belly watching fireworks and. My, I, I, things are just, things are shorter. Like I have a butt now and I have like, just, yes. uh, but like things are shorter when that happens because right. there's just the fabric is like bigger now or like yes. wider. Um, yes. And so I just, I was like, Oh shit. Like this is really, you can see my ass here. Yes. And, I, and I was just like, well, you know what? This is, this is the way the cookie crumbled today. So I'm like laying on my belly and I'm trying to like put the dress overnight I asked my friend I'm like is is this okay like like mostly to just be like are like how are you seeing my are you seeing too much here and she had had a couple drinks and she just kind of looks at me and she goes it looks like a wet dream back here (laughs) Ah, no that's what I'm saying it's like everyone like there's not one body type that's like right you know what I mean like having a little butt that's like cute having a little belly that can be cute too like it's just like it's all okay. And also the fact that you're like, you have that like bulge in between your two buttons. That's super relatable. You know, like people will see you and like, yes, my buttons do that too. It's not like no judgments. I think we judge ourselves way more than anyone else. And so, yeah. Yes. And I think we need to like talk about it more like we're doing right now and compliment each other. And just like, I was so embarrassed by that, but her saying that funny thing, like made it okay. Us, me, I think about your story all the time, you know? Yes. And I think about your thong thunders thighs daily, literally daily. Oh my God. That makes me feel so good. And I send it to people all the time. And I think that's why for several reasons, the work you do is so important, but that's why these conversations can really have the ability to like shift a really low mental health moment. Yes. And then the mental health time, like the times I'm having mental health issues around my body, I'm like, really, is it me or is it like some other person who I probably wouldn't even respect if I knew them that's saying these things about my body that I've like been internalized, you know? And it's just like, why can't I just be like, Hey, like bopping around the body con and a little pooch in my belly. It's like, that should be fine. Like, you know, it, yeah. it shouldn't affect other people what I wear. Like that, that has so little impact on other people. I mean, I've had so many trolls too, just because of thunder thighs. Um, uh. and so, yeah, like horrible things, horrible things being said to me. I'm but yeah, so I mean, sorry. Yeah, but it's like fine because it literally makes me stronger because I'm like, what else can you say to me? Like, you know, like not that much. 
And so, um, and, and that does help me to like be thicker in my own skin be like, okay, like whatever, just let that roll off my back and yeah. not like stress about it. Yeah. Well, I think we covered this a little bit already, but can you talk about intersectionality? I want yes. to hear your riff. <laughs> right. Like intersectionality is so important in everything I do because I do feel like all of these issues of marginalized people intersect with each other. Like you can't be anti-sexist and racist, you know, you can't be homophobic and anti-racist because there's black people who are queer. There's all these issues that are intersecting with each other. And so you really have to dismantle all forms of oppression to do like the work of working towards a more equitable and just society. And so with all of my work, I try to think about, and of course, I mean, I don't do it perfectly, but I always try to think about being as inclusive of as many types of people as possible. And I think a good way to be inclusive is to actually have an inclusive life and just have a lot of different friends with different experiences and truly listen to them, you know, and not try to prescribe based off of like ideas that I might've had based off of stereotypes and bad programming just listen to my friends' experiences who have different experiences than me. And then when it's time for me to make work, say like, Hey, are you down to like clown? Are you down to be like in this video with me? Like, you know, and because of that, it's like, I can have like super intersectional and fun and inclusive work. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking about that a lot. Like a, a lot of the reasons for communities not being as colorful or as diverse or as intersectional are because going back like our friend groups aren't as yes colorful and yes and that that's a systematic thing that's something that's going to unfortunately take time right. to change but it's really important the most important we're missing so many perspectives and like that's really a bummer and making things more boring No, it's so totally true because I think a lot of times people want to go the quick route and they're just like, hey, I want my organization to be inclusive and intersectional and diverse, like, uh, but diverse is like a whole other word, but like, you know, and they just go straight for like, oh, shit, I just just said it too. (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm not. No, it's not. I'm not about call out culture and I'm not about shaming people. I'm just thinking like inclusive to me just feels like you're including people than diversity. It feels like you know, it's kind of more like, sometimes it can go to more like tokenism, but we're all learning here. We're all learning. There's no, you know, we're all open and there's no, no thank you. No, thank you. I think this is actually a really good moment because I did say that and I knew I've heard that and I knew it, but I said it out of, out of habit. Out of habit. Yeah. And we all just have to dismantle our habits. That's what it is. You know, like being patient and like, dismantling habits and like questioning ourselves or whatever, but diverse is not like the worst word ever. But like what I'm saying is, it's just a lot of organizations or like people who are making videos, they're like, Oh, I just want it to be diverse or inclusive, but then they don't actually have an inclusive life. And so it just becomes tokenism where they're just, just slapping someone in or not listening to real experiences. So maybe not representing that person to like who they actually are. Yeah. It's inauthentic and therefore not even powerful. Yes, exactly that. And so for me, I don't have like one friend group. I'm just one of those people that's always like kind of chilling with everyone. Yeah. And I'm like, since I'm an only child, I'll just like go yes. to a party like, yes, totally. by myself and like, oh, now I'm with this group. Now I'm with this group. 
And so because of that, it becomes really easy to have intersectional work because most of my friendships are like one-on-one and not like groups. So it becomes like super, super easy to just be really intersectional because my life is really intersectional. I love that. I want to go back. We never circled back to you moving to New York oh, and we didn't touch on story. your graphic design work. So I want to... Thank you. Yeah. You're really talented at interviewing people. Like, Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. You're making I'm just having like, a great time. It's also so hot in LA that I feel like I'm just kind of like... Like I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling very comfortable and cozy, yes. which is why I like probably said a word I don't want to say. And I'm no, just kind of like, <laughs> don't worry about the diverse thing because I was just saying like diverse versus inclusive. I just prefer inclusive, but diversity is still fine. You know? No, I, I, yeah, I don't like it though. Like I, I think because of the reasons that you said, I, and, and I think this is a good educational moment it will help remind myself of something yes. I learned and I prefer and is better for the reasons that you explained. And I think it's good for me and, and hopefully people listening. Awesome. Yeah. And it's, we're all here. Like, I mean, for me, I read Francesca Ramsey's book and she talked about calling in and not calling out. And I thought that was so beautiful. Like instead of just like calling someone out in like a public space, like telling someone like on Twitter, like, Oh, you're wrong. This is bad. Like, having a conversation with them if you have the energy, you know, like, yeah. Hey, like, cause like, I feel people are going to be more defensive if you're calling them out, but if you're calling them in and you're like, Hey, this is how I feel. This is my experience. Like, this is how maybe what you said impacted me or how I think it could be different. And it's no judgment. It's like, let's just have a conversation. I think that's kind of like where the like real change happens. Yeah. Yeah. And that exactly. book is well, that escalated quickly. I definitely recommend it. Francesca Ramsey. But like, so New York, oh, what a cute story. Okay, so I was living in North Carolina where I had lived my whole adult life. And I was working as an art director at an ad agency. And I had just gotten laid off and I lost my job. And then the month after I got laid off, I was going to Europe to perform some shows with a DJ I used to work with. And I had a connecting flight in Newark, New Jersey. So I was like, hey, let me just move to New York on this connecting flight. So I basically packed up the suitcase, like really heavy suitcase. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I went to Europe with this, like with a lot of things. Um, and then when I was done with that tour, I just like got off in Newark, took the air train to the New Jersey transit, and then just moved to this like apartment in Sunset Park and just lived there. And that's just like, how I moved to New York. And I ended up getting more stuff like a month later in like a rental car, but it wasn't a lot. Like I just kind of was like, I'm done. I'm just going to move here. And I just moved. <laughs> wow. Accidental moves could be a whole... We could have a whole zine about that. I was trying to think. Uh, I was like an Instagram account, a podcast, uh, maybe a zine. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably all we could so do. so fun. But a zine, I think that could be really cute because you could have like pictures of stuff. Like you could do different... People could tell their stories in different yeah, ways. Like visually. Yeah. I love we both it. just had a pandemic accidental move. Oh my New York gosh. move was pretty accidental. That yes. is like as accidental as they come. Yes. For the moment moves. <laughs> New York is such a special place. I'm so nostalgic for it. Yes. What, me too. Can we talk about leaving New York? Like, what does that feel like for you? Well, is that emotional? For me, it's not real yet because... I'm still trying to immigrate to Canada. So I have to like pass the French test, pass an English test. That English test was hard too. Um, 
and <laughs> I have to do all of these things before I could even be considered to immigrate. So mm. I don't consider myself, a, I haven't like, I'm not as far along in the process as you are like moving my stuff. Yeah. But for me, like I'm ready to move on because I just want a cheaper life. That's like more calm and maybe I can have a better quality of life. But I, and and I, but I will miss like a lot of things about New York because like the everybody project is very much New York, you know, mm-hmm. like it's very much a New York moment. So many of my videos are like love letters to New York, but I kind of feel like New York for me was like a certain moment of time in my life. And maybe that time is coming to a close just because the stress of living there was starting to get to me. And like, I just would like to have a little bit more time and space to create. Yeah, I feel I feel very similarly. And yeah, there there's a loss there, but I think some someone said this on the podcast and I've said it multiple times, but I don't know if I've said it to you, but New York is a town of extremes, so your highs yes. are super high or lows <laughs> yes. are super low. That all day. <laughs> yeah, which feels maybe better for your 20s and, and right. now that I'm not, I feel yes. like it's yeah, quality of life is so important. But I also, I'm really excited to see Montreal in the Everybody Project because there are so many cool street fashion people in Montreal that I have heard about. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, I've definitely done the Everybody Project here because I have a very special relationship with Montreal. And at one point in my life, I would live in New York for three months and then be here for three months and like go back and forth. So I do have like some of that like style, like the Montreal, because I take the everybody project with me wherever I go. But yeah, like it's definitely a different vibe and it's like exciting, but it's not the same as New York. Like New York, you just turn a corner and you just see like so many just different people like wearing the most interesting outfits, you know, and here it's like not as common to see as extravagant style, you know? It definitely has its own style vibe, but New York is just like a special place for fashion photography and street style because it's just everyone's doing the most there, you know? And like, you'll see someone with like rockabilly style, then you'll see someone who's like goth and like, and it's just like all on the same block. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm just like running after people like constantly like, oh, please let me take your photo. Oh, you look so great. Like, you know, and it's just so easy to get people. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm excited for the next phase of it, wherever you go. All Thank the places you. you go. <laughs> we never touched on graphic design. So when did that piece come in for you? Oh, yeah. So graphic design has always kind of been with me. Like, that's what I got my degree in. And so that was like part of the bargain with my parents is like being an artist, but paying for my own life. And I knew I could have a really stable lifestyle being a graphic designer. And so I graduated from North Carolina State University College of Design. And I started working in like smaller design shops. And then in 2012, I decided, well, I didn't decide I got laid off. So at the same time I decided to um, move to New York, I started my own company and went freelance. (laughs) So I was like super broke (laughs) for like two years of my life. But yeah, like now I had this really amazing life coach, Amy Lombardo, and she totally like pushed me to go after the clients I want. So now like I would say like 95% of my clients are in like the social justice nonprofit realm and their values super closely aligned to mine. So like work is truly a joy because I believe a hundred percent in 
all the clients I have and the work they do. And I think it's so important. And I feel so lucky and blessed that I can be part of their like overall mission. Oh, that's so cool. You made this very useful graphic. I, I'm going to share. I think I maybe shared it back then, but I'm going to share it again today because I think people need to see it about how to properly wear a mask. Yes. Yes. So I was working with my friend Esther and um, a doctor who worked for the CDC. I don't want to give her name because I don't know, like there's politics <laughs> um, right. around the CDC, but like yeah, we like worked together. So it was all very factual because the doctor wrote everything about like right at the height of the, at the beginning of the epidemic because people were not wearing their masks, right? So I made this graphic and it's open source where people can share it, download it, repost it of just like how to properly store and wear your mask. Because I think at that time, yeah. people weren't as like familiar with how to do that, you know? And so... yeah. That was just like a pro- like a group project that we all kind of did together because it just was like a such a hard time at the beginning. It's like your whole life completely changes and it's just like you feel like you should do something, but you don't know what. And Esther is such a beautiful, amazing person. And she's just always very like action and people and community oriented. And she's just like, hey, we're gonna let's do this. And she's such a great connector. And so it was just amazing. Mm, yeah, it's it's really useful and beautiful and well done. I loved it. I'm going to reshare it because I think people need to see it again. Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, I really appreciate I'm so, I feel so fortunate to have met you. It's like such a joy. You're such a positive energy oh, and like, you I know, force like in you. the world. And you're such a connector and you're so like supportive. You're just like such a good supportive person. So that's how I feel about you. I'm sad we're not in the same city anymore, but we'll have to visit each other. For sure. Now we have like fun vacations. (laughs) 100%. You can stay with me anytime. Yes. Okay. So quick fire question time. You ready? Oh, okay. Stretch it out. Okay. I'm stretching. I'm stretching. Yeah. I'm doing my finger stretches. Great. Great. Do a little shake. All right. Best thing you've eaten in the last week. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. Last night I made a delicious lentil bolognese mm-hmm. with, yeah, with a lot of veggies. It was so good. And like I um, pickled these um, jalapenos and I never thought of doing this, but I added a little bit of the pickle juice, like the jalapeno pickle juice to the sauce. And it really Smart. just elevated the whole flavor profile. Wow. So good. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Because everything I'm eating now, I'm cooking because I'm not like eating out a lot. And so I'm just like, but that was something I ate that was super yummy. Wow. I love that. Is there a place, speaking of eating out or just in general, that you miss from New York or that you will miss? Oh, wow. There's so, I mean, I think for me, just in general, what I'm going to miss is just walking around Lower East Side and like taking photos of people. Like, honestly... Cause I know it's oh, going to makes me emotional. It does. Cause it's just like, I mean, I know eventually I can do the everybody project, but like, it's going to be different. Cause like right now people aren't out as much and like, you want to keep your distance and like, people are going to be less likely to stop because they're stressed and you know, so I just miss that. Like that's like my place is like lower East side, Chinatown and East village, just walking around and just seeing like all of the life that's like happening around there. It's just, amazing yeah oh me too what are you most looking forward to outside of quarantine other than that oh when quarantine's over mm-hmm. oh my gosh I'm just gonna like deeply hug so many of my friends yeah like, just for a long time just hug them 
and just like have a dinner party where we like hug each other and then we just eat and we're like sharing food and sharing, just sharing things and like not worried and just like have it be like super healing. Mm, Totally. What's your greatest lesson on friendship? Oh, wow. I think for friendship is to listen, to truly, truly listen to what your friends are saying. Cause a lot of times it's easy to say, Oh, here's what you should do. But it's like a lot of times I'm just like, Hey, how can I support you? And really just listening to what they have to say and giving them space to ask me like how I can best support them instead of me deciding the best way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fully. What about greatest lesson on romantic relationships? Ooh, I have bad luck with those. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say, and I wish I would have like been able to say this to my 20 year old self is romantic relationships aren't everything and just get deeply involved in your own life. And your romantic relationships will be so much better because you're not coming to that person from a place of need or like thirstiness. You have your own fully realized life and also to not go in expecting anyone to be different than how they are. Like just totally go in loving yourself and also fully just like accepting that person as they are. And like, if you're not into how they are, then that's just not the relationship for you. Mm, yeah. How do you handle when you don't feel like you can be yourself around that's, someone? I think for me, if I feel like someone's not accepting me as I am at this point in my life, I'm just like, well, we just don't need to be around each other right now. Mm-hmm. Unless it's like something I can't choose, like a work situation or, you know, something like that. That's I have less flexibility, but definitely in my personal relationships, if I feel like someone doesn't want to be like, doesn't want to be with me as I am, then I just don't think that we're right for each other at that time. Like we could grow in a different way where we both accept each other and that's better, but I'm just kind of done forcing myself to be with someone or like romantically or friendship wise or platonically be with people or or me be with someone where I'm not like super psyched about them and like, you know, accepting their flaws and not even seeing them as flaws, just being like, this is what makes them them. And that's, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Different. Yeah. Greatest lesson on family. Oh, Speaking wow. of not choosing. <laughs> right. Like that's really complicated. Mm-hmm. I think for family, it's also the same thing of just accepting people where they're at. And not like, oh, I wish that it was easier to talk to my mom or I wish that I was supported this way by this person. It's just like people generally are trying their best. And so sometimes you just have to accept. We all have like our different like love languages. We all have our different styles of how we connect and show and give love. And it's just like really just truly being present and like aware of how the people around you are and just like accepting that. Mm. Yeah, I really agree. Where are you with spirituality? What happens when we die? What do you believe there? I think for me, I'm really not thinking too much about the afterlife. I'm really just trying to be as present in this life and be as kind to people around me in this life and make the most of it because no one knows what will happen after we die with certainty. But I do know that being alive right now is a gift and I don't want to waste it. So I'm trying really hard to 
be as present and as kind as possible as I go through life. You're doing a great job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, this is so like, fine. I never like, I like, these are things I haven't like talked about out loud, you know? So I'm like, oh. Oh, good. Somebody said that a good interview should feel like therapy. So, and we yes. love therapy in this family. So <laughs> we love therapy and we hate abandonment. <laughs> yes. That's the, there's the title of this episode. <laughs> um, this is really just a way to recommend things. So book, music, podcast, food, TV show, movie, all things that you want to shout out or recommend. Oh, wow. Okay. There's so, there's so many things <laughs> that like, but then I feel like I also have super low brown taste. So it's like also low key embarrassing, but I would definitely check out as far as music. I would check out Dayburger. I would check out DDM. These are both like two queer rappers who is schizo. Check her out too. I love 90 Day Fiance. I know that's like controversial, but, and it probably doesn't need any more promotion, but I just think it's funny. <laughs> oh, is that the reality show? Yes. Yeah, it's so trash. I watch so okay. much trash. I watch uh-huh, so much uh-huh. trash. There's this show in Quebec that I really love. I don't know if you can get it in America, but it's called a Soupe Presque Parfait. And it's like a dinner party where there's five people who don't know each other and they cook for each other. Oh, like, that's lovely. It's so good. It's so good. And it's like, um, the show is like every week. So every week there's five episodes. So each episode is the different person's dinner and they like rank each other. And then they like win a prize at the end, whoever wins. It's like so it's my the same thing. five people. They don't know each other at the beginning, but by like the fifth episode, they would know each other. Well, exactly. Right? Exactly. Oh. And then the next week is five new people and then five new people. And so I really, really, uh, <laughs> I love that so much. So it's on um, every night. It's on every night. Yeah. Except for Saturdays oh, and Sundays. Oh, that's so cute. And there's so many episodes, like, cause now that's not happening cause of the quarantine, but I'm just like catching up with it. Like, right. cause I like am new to Quebec. And so I'm just like, oh my gosh, this show is amazing. It's like absolutely amazing. That's so <laughs> sweet and earnest and probably helping you with your French. Yeah. It totally helps me with my French cause I watch it with French subtitles. Oh, it's in English. No, it's in French and I watch oh, it's the in French, French subtitles. Oh, yeah, so yeah, that helps me help to you. like read yeah. the French and be like, okay. Of course. Because yeah. then I can work on my reading comprehension and my listening comprehension. Also the book by Francesca Ramsey, I like said it earlier, but well, that escalated quickly. I think that that's a really good book. And she has a lot of great things to say about race as well. So I would definitely recommend that. Anything by Octavia Butler, like any book. I would recommend great black science fiction writer. If you haven't checked her out, definitely great, like prophetic work. Like literally she was writing in the nineties about stuff that's happening now, you know? Yes. It's so good. And it's like her style of writing is just amazing. I'm trying to think of what else It's hard for me sometimes to list things because I'm like such an open person. I just like, I, I don't have like discriminating taste. I'm just like, oh, oh, I have something that you should check out. It's called The Chronicles. It's so good. It's a YouTube series um, about this like woman animator creator about all the men who broke her heart. And it's so real. It's called oh. The Chronicles. Like cry, 
like the word cry. Yeah. Like yeah. It's so good. I was just thinking about, I was like, I think I should write a book of essays called unrequited, but it sounds yes. like this is. <laughs> well, just check it out. Cause maybe it could just be like, you know, you could do your own yes. thing, but I definitely recommend oh it. God, I love just it. Like, I've had so many experiences like, and this woman is so open and real and honest. I like love her work so much. So I definitely recommend checking out Cry Nichols. Oh, so good. Wow. I have so much that I'm going to, you just gave me content for days. Yes. I mean, all and all of it's like, good. I mean, maybe not 90 days fiance, unless you like, you know, mess. If you like mess, <laughs> no. If you like I, mess, <laughs> you will love '90s Hey Fiance. But the rest of it's not messy. The rest of it's just good content. But great, I love a good mess. So. Great, I, I bet a lot of people do. I just, I, I don't. I think I'm gonna. Um, I mean, whatever. I could totally get down with it if I do. My friends tried to before I left Brooklyn. Like you have to just kind of commit to that stuff. Like I'm sure I could right. get into all of the things. Like all right. Of, but every time I've tried, I've just been like, I, I can see how you're into it, but I would need to just like spend the time just to like get the vibe for a bit. And I never right. have the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is the thing I've gotten so many people into it. And one of my friends, Kate, she has a PhD in economics. She's one of the smartest people I know. And she's just like super into it. <laughs> I mean, we all need stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, it's great. It's I so good. That. So the name of the show is Let It Out, as you know. Did you let out everything that you wanted to? Is there anything that you never get to talk about that you wish that you would get to let out now? Oh, I feel like I let out everything and maybe a little more. Oh, good. That is it was exactly very good. That is how I want you to feel. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I Honestly, you are so talented. You are a master of a bunch. And I'm just really happy to know you. I'm so happy that we met in Las Vegas. <laughs> yes. I, I was like, it was so nice to meet you because that situation so was like nice. a little awkward. <laughs> 100%. Fully. Yeah. Fully. Um, all right. Well, you're amazing. Let's end with a let it out. Deep breath. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Inhale. Let it out. <sighs> cool. We did it. Yay. Thank you, Katie. Thank you so much. (laughs) It was so good to talk to you. It was so much fun. That's the show this week. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so grateful that you're here and getting all the way to the end. I hope to see some of you tonight in my workshop and check out the kits, support the sponsors, follow everything that Shanthony does. She's a gem and I genuinely am so happy that I met her the way that I did and that she finally came on the podcast. This week's episode is brought to you by Four Sigmatic, which is one of my favorite brands I've worked with forever. I've even had the founder on the podcast a couple years ago. They're known for their mushroom coffee. I've been drinking their ground mushroom coffee with lion's mane, and it's very good. I also have these little pomegranate beauty shots that I love and are so refreshing. And the products of theirs that are newest to me are their skincare products. Their serum is my new favorite thing that I've put on my body. And there's this body butter that is 
really potent and smells amazing that I've been using. And last but not least, they have this protein powder that is really superb. It comes in three flavors, a original, a chocolate, and a peanut butter. And I have collected all three. They're very good. Their coffee with lion's mane, back to that, it supports productivity and creativity, which I think has really been helping me get it together and focus. Plus it includes chaga, which is the king of mushrooms, they say. And right now chaga is one of my favorite medicinal mushrooms to work with. The compounds in chaga have antioxidant properties and it plays a big role in supporting the immune system to maintain its function, which I think is really great. You're probably thinking, does this coffee and these products taste like mushrooms? Gross. That'd be weird. I can guarantee it just tastes like regular coffee and the products actually taste really delicious. I don't taste mushrooms at all. And what's nice about the mushroom coffee is that it's a little bit easier on the gut. It doesn't leave me with that jittery feeling where I'm feeling kind of high and shaky and I don't crash, which is a real delight. All Four Sigmatic products are organic, vegan, and gluten-free. Every single batch is third-party tested for heavy metals, allergens, bad bacteria, yeast, molds, pesticides, the whole gang. So you know you are getting the highest quality coffee and mushrooms possible. Best of all, Four Sigmatic stands behind their products unconditionally with a 100% money back guarantee. Love every sip or get your money back. I've worked out an exclusive offer for Let It Out podcast listeners on their best-selling Lion's Mane coffee, the one I was just telling you guys about. This is just for Let It Out podcast listeners. Receive up to 39% off their best-selling Lion's Mane coffee bundles. To claim this deal, you must go to foursigmatic.com slash Katie, K-A-T-I-E. This offer is not available on the regular website, so go to foursigmatic.com slash Katie. That's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash Katie, K-A-T-I-E and fuel your productivity and creativity with some delicious mushroom coffee. Full discount applied at checkout. Thank you, Four Sigmatic. Keep in touch. I will talk to you guys soon. Let me know if you need anything. I will be back next week with a new episode and the emoji for this week's episode is the sunshine because she is a ray of light and sunshine and the season is ending. Wow. That's bananas to me that it's September. Anyway, talk to you guys soon and I love you.